Daily Drive is brought to you by eBay Motors. Auto dealers, are you missing the most engaged buyers because you don't know where to find them? At eBay Motors, you'll find buyers so motivated they purchase a car or truck once every three minutes. Just call 866 210 5362 and mention code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Hi everyone, I'm Steve Schmidt with Automotive News. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, October 26th. Building autonomous machines that can safely navigate the environments in which they operate is a vision shared by a lot of companies working in the mobility business ecosystem. And there are likely a number of pathways to get there, each complete with challenges and opportunities that are being tackled as the industry drives towards a future of autonomous, shared, connected, and electrified transportation. Some believe a fully autonomous future is decades away as technology and regulation find the right balance and older technologies, like driver-driven vehicles, become obsolete. Some believe autonomy will first scale and be perfected in the commercial movement of goods. Some believe we'll see autonomous passenger drones flying 500 feet off the ground before we see them at scale on the ground traveling amidst vehicles driven by people. Liar Tal, CEO of Sinjin, and his team are part of that ecosystem, ushering in a future of autonomous mobility. Their approach? Taking off-the-shelf sensors and other hardware and coupling that with Sinjin's suite of software applications to create a bolt-on solution that can transform machines already in operation today into vehicles that can be operated by a driver, remotely, and yes, autonomously. The company recently announced a partnership with Columbia Vehicle Group, which builds industrial material handling vehicles using warehouses, logistics and distribution centers, ports, and airports. The impact? According to Tal, it allows Columbia to offer its customers advanced technologies today that can make operation of those vehicles safer and increase productivity, while also creating deep insights using the data collected by Sinjin software. Another benefit? Another step forward in Sinjin's mission to deploy its technology in the autonomous movement of people. What other benefits can Columbia Vehicle Group's customers recognize using machines equipped with Sinjin's technology? What skills will those customers need represented in their workforce to take full advantage of this autonomous solution? And how goes the effort to collaborate with traditional automakers and suppliers? We've caught up with Sinjin CEO Lee Ortal in San Diego, California. Lior, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. How are you? I'm good. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us and taking a few minutes out of your schedule. Let's start about this company that you're leading right now. Tell us about Sinjin. What's the company focused on? What's the mission, the problem you're trying to solve? Sure. You know, autonomous driving, autonomous vehicles is one of these technologies that really come once in a generation. And I think are really going to reshape our lives and touch everything from the open roads, passenger vehicles, trucks, all the way up if you've been following the Curiosity rover to space exploration. But where we really think it's going to make the first meaningful scale commercial impact is the industrial uh, space. And we're looking at applications like warehouse logistics and manufacturing all the way through airports, seaports to mining and construction. Now, Sinjin's vision is to be the software that drives these vehicles. And we are a software company, we're a data company, we collaborate with vehicle manufacturers. And the idea is to really give our customers that competitive edge in their space, whether they are the disrupting company adopting these 
technologies first or chasing someone else that uh, you know has already uh, taken away there. Your com- your product is is called Drive Mod. Can you tell us a little bit about the science behind Drive Mod? How does it work? Yes, of course. So Drive Mod is part of what we call EAS, the Enterprise Autonomy Suite, uh, which is built out of three components. Two of them are customer facing, and one of them is uh, used more internally. It's an SDK it, it, uh, suite of tools. Uh, Drive Mod is the software that sits on the vehicle and, and allows us to replace what we thought was a human operator there. It's working on off-the-shelf components and, and allows us to really support a wide range of different sensors, computing platforms. It makes it really um, very flexible and future-proof. Uh, it's designed like a robotaxi uh, software system. And the idea is that traditional industrial automation is really using more basic robotic navigation systems that are record and rerun and basically just do obstacle avoidance. And what we figured out is five years ago when we started interviewing potential customers in a wide range of different uh, industries is that it's not enough to just be able to automate these machines and, and solve problems like labor shortage or cost of labor. You actually need to drive at least as good as a person that drove it because otherwise there is a compromise of, um, of automation uh, to throughput and productivity. So the way we looked at it is let's build the most uh, you know sophisticated future-proof, agile driving system um, that we can. And let's test it in very complicated environments like the open roads and very high density of interaction, and then deploy downward to slower, simpler uh, applications. And that gives us a really high ceiling. So that's drive mode. Um, next to drive mode, the other component is Syngen Insight, which is it's almost like the NASA mission control for the customer. This is how they interact with the fleet. They observe the, the vehicles in the facility and they can really control all the way down to a single vehicle either by tasking it you know point go from point a to point b follow a bus route uh, or even taking over and, and remote controlly uh, operating that vehicle and behind this too is what we call the syngen evolve which is the data pipeline the uh, uh the data centers and everything that allows us to do both the ai development the algorithms and, and the learning uh, models and a very large scale simulation framework that allows us to test new builds, to test patches and fixes overnight. Um, and then when we're comfortable that it either solves a problem or adds a capability, similar to how Tesla would do it, we can just push it down to the fleet or any subset of it. And those vehicles are then updated with the latest uh, software. And this is a solution that uses hardware that's available off the shelf already and can be bolted on to forklifts, for example, driving through warehouses already today? Yeah, yes, it can. And, you know, part of the principle, and I think one of the things that really makes us um, unique, different in this specific space is that uh, we really think that the end solution and where the customer would benefit the most is being able to choose the best vehicles that, uh, you know, not only um, are the newest and shiniest, but also have a great support and service network and the ability to work with the vehicle manufacturers that have you know, financing options. So really let the customer choose their vehicle and then be able to use the best software on those vehicles. And the way we work with uh, those uh, vehicle manufacturers is uh, in, in two stages, or let's say two uh, distinct capabilities. One is identifying existing vehicles that make sense to retrofit because there's already a significant footprint of these vehicles 
and companies already invested in their fleets and there, there's no sense in just uh, um, throwing those away and buying new ones. And over the next couple of years, also starting to design specific changes to the vehicles that from the line, they become ready for autonomy. And if you really think about what it means to take a human, a design for human operation vehicle um, and allow it to become uh, autonomous, it's the ability to actuate what before was controlled by our hands and feet, right? It's the throttle, the brake, the steering. Uh, you can do it as a retrofit today on these existing vehicles. And on uh, when on the line, instead of uh, taking out parts and replacing them, you just design it right. And it uh, increases the um, uh, increases the safety of those vehicles and over time makes them cheaper. Such a fascinating business model. You're taking machines that your customers have already made the capital investment that still have use cases or still have 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 use in their life cycle making the use of those machines more more safe and, and the data that comes off of it uh, more insightful for to, to better optimize operations. But I think the underlying benefit is here is this is really accelerating an autonomous future. It's not way out there 10, 15, 20 years from now. This is stuff that can happen today. Yes, it can definitely happen today. And it can be a gradual adoption of the technology where you don't need as a customer to make a binary decision. Do I stop everything manual, human, and I need to now bet everything from this point on on autonomy and these new technologies. You can do it gradually by initially retrofitting uh, portions of the fleet, work in a mixed um, uh, operating mode where some are operated by people, some are operated autonomously, and then start gradually moving people from sitting on these vehicles to sitting behind insights. Uh, and really, people that have been operating these vehicles can really be upskilled and learn how to support autonomous fleets and over time be able to be uh, um, able to support multiple vehicles, not just one-to-one. And as these become more prevalent in the facility and more and more types of vehicles start running our software, um, then at some point there's a cutoff where it doesn't really make much more sense uh, and you just automate everything. But that can really happen over time and allow the, um, you know, the operation to really absorb uh, these new technologies um, uh, properly. You recently announced a partnership with Columbia Vehicle Group. Can you talk about what kind of industrial vehicles will feature your technology and perhaps when those machines will be deployed? Sure. Yeah, I think uh, Columbia is really one of the, you know, the best industrial vehicle manufacturers out there. They've been selling to Fortune 100 companies for probably 70 years now. Um, and, and they identified the opportunity of making these vehicles more um, than, than what they are today and understanding that you can do things like predictive maintenance and gradual, uh, gradually more and more automated and add safety features to them. Uh, so they've really been a great partner. And like I said before, the idea is that um, over time, we together acquire the ability to retrofit their existing fleets in their uh, customer hands today. And as they think about future uh, models and upgrade to these vehicles, they already have the input from us about you know, what, what is a software-defined vehicle look like? What are the changes that would make it easier to automate uh, these solutions? Uh, but still working with them really allows us to go to a customer and, and have them the comfort that, you know, they work with an OEM they're comfortable with. They can get these vehicles service supported. They have an established network out there. And the impact of the software is, is uh, over the top. They don't need to compromise anything. And I think that's really in contrast to uh, to some of the... Um, 
automated solutions you see out there that are vertically integrated into a new vehicle that that startup or company is building. Because to some degree, it's just easier to build software if you control the hardware. Um, the way we designed it is we need to be able to put our software on a wide variety of different vehicles, which is why it took us close to five years to develop it. But now it really starts harvesting those benefits and allows us to work with great companies like Colombia. We'll be right back with more. The most motivated car buyers aren't knocking on your door anymore. They're online, but you don't have to look far. You can find them at eBay Motors. Our platform features over 7 million engaged users. Our buyers are so engaged, they enter over 3 billion search impressions per month and buy a car or truck every three minutes. Today's car buyer has high expectations when they browse online eBay Motors helps you meet those expectations. Use machine learning with our AI-driven vehicle pages, and you'll automatically optimize your buyer's experience. It's as easy as listing your inventory and watching as the most engaged buyers find you. If you've ever uploaded your automotive inventory to a website, you have more than enough skills to get your cars listed on eBay Motors. It will feel like you're setting up an entirely new car dealership within minutes. Once you list your available inventory, you'll have additional support from the platform, including a single destination page for your entire brand. Want to generate more sales automatically? eBay Motors lets you choose between auction, classified, and fixed-price listing options so the site does the heavy lifting. It even integrates with your existing dealer or vehicle management system. All you have to do is list your inventory, sit back, relax, watch a movie, and then check back in to see the sales you've made. How do you start? It's as simple as creating an account. Call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Find out why selling cars has never been this easy. That number again, 866-210-5362. When we talk about the use case, I'm a warehouse operator. I'm running my Columbia vehicle group machines through my warehouses what kind of skills am I going to need if I'm that warehouse operator, if I'm that logistics operator? And who's providing that training for using those machines? Is it Sinjin? Is it Columbia Vehicle Group? How does that work? So, you know, one of the things I've learned is like, I've built multiple companies. And one of the things I've learned early is that the sooner you can start um, engaging your potential customers, understand their environment, be able to get input from them the more likely you will build the right product. Um, and since 2017, we've been, even through the early uh, versions of the software, we've been working with these different uh, uh, customers to understand how our software and our solutions really um, live inside their facilities, work with their people. Uh, initially, it was with a container port operator in Southeast Asia and then with Loblos. Um, in their headquarter up in Canada. And after each of these cycles, we go back and we learn a little bit more about how people would need would want to use these technologies, what are they accustomed uh, to doing today. Uh, so Insight was really designed to uh, be able to be uh, very easily adopted uh, by unskilled people that before maybe looked at the, uh, either something that comes from a warehouse automation system that uh, they, then they would use a two-way radio to tell people where to pick and drop things or even a sheet of paper that has the work plan for the day and really allow these people to sit in front of a screen on either a desktop or their tablet and almost drag and drop what they want these vehicles to do. So it has to be a very low bar of, um, of education about how to use the system, but it can be extended to very sophisticated operation uh, when these people become more and more knowledgeable in how to use the system. 
Uh, we will be providing the training. We'll have our own people that are ready today can support uh, the customer fleet operators and the remote operators they have there. Uh, and if needed, you know, we have the ability for them to hand over something to us uh, remotely, and then we can solve the problem and hand it over back to them. How do these kinds of use cases of autonomous movement of things in places like warehouses and ports, et cetera, how does that further enable the autonomous movement of people in the future? You know, the, uh, the in the language of autonomy, we, we define an application uh, as an ODD and uh, uh, operating uh, design domain, domain. And the idea is that you understand what the vehicle needs to do, the, the vehicle type, its environment, where is it driving, uh, the, the type of interaction it has to have with other things in, in, in its environment. Um, moving people on open roads is probably the most or one of the most complicated ODDs. Um, and it's because everything is faster, everything is a complication, everything is a risk, and the vehicle can't really make a mistake with uh, people on it. So. Um, it, you know, fundamentally, these are similar systems that would automate one or another, but the idea to start with the industrial applications, moving goods and material and doing it on uh, um, in more controlled environments and safer facilities just make just means it can be commercialized faster. Um, if you start fasting forward, you know, the years of running autonomous machines in facilities, between facilities, in yards, um, th that is really what builds the confidence that you can start taking it out to the open road. Um, but the way we started is we started developing these uh, this software in the streets in California. We started with higher speed. We started with SUVs and shuttle buses uh, to make sure that we're not missing anything when we think about how to design the system to choose the technologies and the components. So, you know, like you said, there is that evolution of from the simpler applications, the, the more... Um, um, structured environments all the way to the open roads, which will just take time. I think if well, you design the system right the way we did like a robot taxi, then it's it's a natural progression to get there. Um, the other part of it, and this is something that's more a function of, of tuning, is, you know, boxes are more forgiving than people and they don't get car sick. And if you need to stop more abruptly or you need to take a tight return, um, you know, the system can accommodate that where you don't really want to do that with people in the vehicle. So. There's a little bit of difference there in how you work it, um, but it, these are both on a continuum of uh, of complexity and the applications will get there. One of the things that caught my eye in reading the press release mentioning the partnership with Columbia Vehicle Group was, quote, the partnership is a key step forward in Sinjin's initial rollout of its autonomous vehicle technologies, end quote. What does that mean? Is Can you give us a glimpse uh, and share maybe with our audience what the autonomous vehicle rollout might look like? Sure. You know, as much as, as uh, I can do within what uh, is publicly disclosed. And I really, I, I encourage people to go to our uh, investor relations part of the website. There is the um, IPO investor presentation that really tells the story and really lays out the, uh, sort of the current stage details about the product and, and what's coming up the next few years. But we've just moved from a, you know, a five-year research development and prototyping of uh, our enterprise autonomy suite into start taking the first steps to uh, selective customer deployments with our partners, Colombia and, and a few of the others. So the next 18 to 24 months is really going to be about 
um, deploying our software with partners vehicles in the field with select customers, running it, integrating into these facilities, onboarding more partners um, and opening more opportunities and um, getting to year 2024, which is when we expect to really start getting into a scaled commercial deployment of our software on larger number of vehicles. So the next two years are really about the taking it uh, through the first steps of commercial deployments, through our ecosystem of partnerships, while we continue developing, improving, and making sure it's robust and ready for scale deployments, and then making that next step. I want to take a quick sidebar here before we close with what's next, what are the big milestones. But it's interesting to me, obviously, Sinjin is a U.S.-based company, but it has ties, roots in Israel. You went to university, at Tel Aviv University, et cetera. Another example of a company, a startup with ties to Israel, really changing the game when it comes to the future of mobility, driving this innovation. For the benefit of our listeners here, why is Israel such a hotbed for mobility innovation? I think it starts with the fact that uh, you know Israel is an innovative country and sort of uh, um, population to begin with. It's it's a com- it's a country with no natural resources, so it is essentially a, a knowledge economy. If you take that and you combine it with uh, a lot of the technological foundation that was built by the military and, and the unit and the people that came from the units that worked on there, um, it's that perfect storm of innovation, storm of innovation and uh, um, and companies. And I think in the past year, you've seen an amazing amount of companies also reaching the public markets from Israel. And you see these trends of technologies moving from um, you know telecommunication through cybersecurity. And in the past few years, mobility, where people move between these sectors and really bring their knowledge as they build these new products. Um, you know, my previous company, Snap2, um, we, we founded it in Israel, myself with three other friends. And uh, it was between 2007 and 2011 when we eventually um, got acquired by Facebook and moved the team to California. I've been here uh, ever since 2011. And, and you know, the the company and that product solve a really big problem that Facebook had when it started going into the mobile space and expanding internationally. Um, and today there's been more than a billion <clears throat> sorry, people on that platform because it became such a big foundation of, the, of uh, Facebook's uh, mobile product line. I think the same dynamic is happening in mobility you know, from the large companies like Mobileye and, and uh, more recently Moveit and a lot of uh, the LiDAR sensor and uh, autonomous technology companies that are coming out of there. I think these are really start innovating in Israel and then go out to the market and start collaborations and expansion in the international market. So, you know, for me, it's a great source of uh, advice, collaboration, talent, and, and we really start uh, pulling those into Syngen as well. So let's close by, by turning back to Syngen. What's next in the company's plan? What's the next big milestone you're really excited about? You know, so uh, we've uh, spent the last few months in a very concentrated effort to get the company, you know, onto Nasdaq and, and become uh, a public company, which, you know, f- for us, it's a great platform for a long term and, and uh, really scaled um, next few years. Um, for us now, it's really going back to the roadmap, the technical, the business roadmap, executing, um, taking some of these uh, um, partnerships into the hands of customers, really starting to prove that EES and drive mode can do 
what uh, uh, what are expected to do really automatically it's, uh, support uh, labor shortage and increase the safety. Um, the next big thing is, of course, to start growing the company, hire great people. So I really encourage people that you know believe in industrial autonomy and really see the potential impact of uh, this technology to visit our website, look at the open roles, you know, join us. There's some great uh, openings out there. And this is really something that uh, uh, is at the core of any company. It's having great people that really like working together. Lior, congratulations so much on Sinjin's success, the partnership with Columbia Vehicle Group. We look forward to continuing to watch and, and see what the future holds. Appreciate you spending a few minutes with me today. Thank you very much. That's Daily Drive for Tuesday, October 26th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash daily drive. As always, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs>